0: Welcome to the Chamber podcast. In episode 23, our discussion centres around smart cities. We'll be looking at how Greater Birmingham can become more efficient, sustainable and create a better quality of life through the use of data and new technology. I'm Dan Harrison, Press and PR Executive at the Chamber. I'm
1: Rick Robinson, Associate Director for Arab's Digital Cities and Property Business.
2: I'm Sarah Hainsworth. I'm the Pro Vice-Chancellor and Executive Dean for the School of Engineering and Applied Science at Aston University.
0: So we're going to be talking about smart cities and how Greater Birmingham is adopting new technology to improve congestion, pollution and the quality of life for residents and workers. So first of all, I'm going to ask both of you, when we talk about smart cities, for those who don't quite grasp what we're talking about, what, what does it mean?
2: Smart cities can mean a range of things, um, but a lot of uh, the innovations that come in smart cities are the better use of data and information technology to uh, drive our understanding of how people move around cities, how traffic moves around cities, for example, and how that might lead to pollution hotspots in the instance that you're looking at here.
1: It's interesting, I think, when you look at how we define a smart city to look at where the term originates. And actually, it originates in two separate places. And one is um, the idea of intelligent infrastructure using technology to create improvements in the way that transport or utilities or other systems within cities function. The other is more of a social idea, which is um, originally observed by social scientists that the powerful communications devices that we will have access to these days should give people and communities a stronger voice in their own governance. So that's more about the outcomes for communities. And I think the reason we have such breadth in smart cities is because we combine both of those ideas in a way that could be very powerful when we succeed in harmonising them.
0: OK, so within Birmingham, how is the way we, we interact with the urban environment changing?
2: I think one of the most recent developments is obviously the tram infrastructure that's going in around the city uh, and that's changing the way in which people move around the city. Um, When you think about a clean environment, it might be uh, more use of bicycle technology within the uh, city Um, and obviously one of the things that really matters for Birmingham is the ability to use train services which move large number of people very quickly.
1: And the interventions that we see in cities or the the changes in the way that we use Birmingham can come from a variety of sources, so some come from the local authority and their um, service providers an example would be a system that was trialled in King's Heath recently that used CCTV to detect large diesel vehicles approaching the high street and changed the sequencing of pedestrian crossings and traffic lights to mean they could pass more smoothly through the high street, braking and accelerating less and that had a measurable effect reducing pollution Um, however other changes arise from private sector ideas New services such as Deliveroo, Uber, Airbnb—these um, are very well known these days—but they're similarly changing the way that we use the city, and they have knock-on impacts on systems like transportation, health and wellbeing, being etc.
0: When we've heard of smart cities um, being pioneered around the world, India and places like that—I mean, where, where do you think Birmingham kind of sits at the moment in terms of uh, catching up with, with, with those?
2: Yeah, I think there's been a lot of developments around the world in terms of smart city technology. Um, So within Europe, for example, Copenhagen would be a good example of an area where smart city technology is being embraced. But there are lots of cities in the US, for example, that have looked at the regeneration of the city, the change in the way in which business works in the city. So places like uh, Pittsburgh, where Uh, Traditionally, they had a very heavy industry based on steel, but they've reinvigorated their economy based on small innovative tech companies that are moving into the Pittsburgh area. And I think one of the things that we need to do going forwards for Birmingham is to really make it a place where innovation and technology can flourish. And that is a partnership. It's a partnership between universities like Aston, who work uh, very much with business and the professions, uh, but it's also a partnership with the City Council, with the West Midlands Combined Authority, with the local uh, economic partnership. And it's really about how do you grow the Birmingham economy going forwards as you move perhaps from traditional industries based on manufacturing, but to new smart technology based companies.
0: Birmingham surely well-placed to to do that with its thriving tech and and digital sectors.
2: I think it's an area that's starting to really grow in Birmingham, but I think there's more that can be done. And one of the things that matters for us as a university is how can we support innovation? So how can we take ideas that we perhaps develop in the lab here at Aston, Uh, you know, sensor technology, laser technology, technology, Ideas around transport and logistics, and how can we actually get them embedded? into practice. So how can we get the innovators going from Aston University to taking those business ideas, developing them through successfully launching them to market, but also um, being a place where more established companies can come and work with us to develop their ideas and their concepts and to get those to market as well. And I think that virtuous circle, if you like, is, is all about how we all work together rather than as independent entities. And I think those cities that I talked about you know Pittsburgh and Copenhagen and things like that what you see is very effective partnerships between the universities with the young people and the innovations and the ideas the entrepreneurs the city council and it's not just about ideas in the lab it's also about the policy aspects of how the city council decides to develop its planning operations when it's building new houses what are the technologies in terms of high-speed networks, smart power, smart energy, that it integrates into those communities. Mm
1: when you consider where a city like birmingham in the uk is compared to some of the international examples i think it's important to understand that the drivers in different places can be very different so some of the, the you know the well publicized huge schemes in in india and china are driven where there's rapid urbanization of enormous populations there's huge investment going in and it's greenfield so there's a lot of flexibility to, to build those cities from the beginning in a very high-tech way of course what we have in europe the US the UK is existing cities that are in some cases growing more slowly some aren't growing at all we have you know some significant economic and social challenges we've also got very different governance structures um, that mean it's not possible to drive everything from one organisation to to one plan so we need to think more organically about how a smart city can evolve piece by piece in various different ways Um, and I think that's where Birmingham is and Birmingham had some of the earliest um, pieces of work done on a smart city vision on trying to link that smart city vision to its planning framework so you can harness investment incrementally and drive it into smart ideas and that's where it is absolutely important to have these partnerships involved between public sector private sector academia social enterprise um, because each of those organizations has a a role to play and i think in particular there's a huge role for business leadership here We're, we're unlikely in an economy like the UK so to ever really scale these ideas unless business and business investment are absolutely behind them. And that's where I think from a public sector point of view, um, there's a process of understanding how to align market incentives through things like taxation policy, regulated industries, master plans and planning frameworks. All of those things can be used to incentivize private sector to make a profit in a way that creates the social, economic and environmental outcomes that we're looking to achieve achieve as cities communities and as a society and a great example of that would be resilience Um, there are literally trillions of pounds in long-term investment funds seeking good long-term investable opportunities they're seeking a reliable return rather than the most aggressive return so there's absolutely the opportunity to link that up to link that investment desire to long-term resilient stable economic and social growth
2: I think the other thing that's really important in this area is not just, um, if you like, the push of ideas from universities and business, but it's also the pull and how um, the average citizen engages with the use of smart city technology is really important. So they really need to want to do this. So, for example, as you develop new housing, if you want people to move to more electric and hybrid vehicles, then you have to provide the infrastructure within those houses to allow people to plug in their cars and charge them overnight. So you've got to think about this really from uh, how it's going to impact on the ordinary citizen and how we're going to help the ordinary citizen to actually... um, engage with the new technology that's coming along so you can see you know we all have smart devices in our pockets now Um, we're very used to being able to summon information very readily and very quickly but what's hidden behind that is um, the need to provide high-speed networking the need to provide uh, infrastructure and at the moment that's 4g infrastructure but as we move forwards it's about You know, do we need to embrace 5G infrastructure to be able to provide businesses, communities, people with the way in which they can access information more readily? Because we've all been there where you actually need to call a taxi and you maybe look on your smartphone for Uber, but you're in a dead spot. So, you know, you've got to think about how you make the technology pervasive so that when citizens want to engage with it, it's there and it's instant and it works.
0: Okay. So you've quite comprehensively answered my uh, last question about how we can make Birmingham a, a smarter city, but you've got to bear in mind over the next few years, we've potentially got a massive influx of people to the region with the Commonwealth Games and also the arrival of, of HS2. So how do we uh, make sure we're, we're geared up for, for those things?
2: I think... Um, New developments like h 2 and like the Commonwealth Games are really exciting because they give you uh, a living laboratory to try and trial some of the technologies that then could be used beyond the Commonwealth Games, you know, as a legacy project. So as you develop the venues for the uh, Commonwealth Games, as you develop High Speed 2, it gives you the opportunity to build in the technology from the get-go and Whereas, actually, one of the challenges we will have in terms of making Birmingham a smart city is how do we take the bricks and mortar that are already here, the 80% of the houses, the shopping areas, um, and retrofit the technology. What HS2 and the Commonwealth Games give us is the opportunity to get the technology in from the start, and that's, I think, really exciting for us as a university.
1: I think one of the recurrent themes I see in in Birmingham and in cities everywhere as we, we try to understand you know how do we harness whatever is the next opportunity whether it's Commonwealth games hs2 a new residential development how do we harness that to move the city's smart city agenda forward well the, the two things that occur are consistency and clarity I think so consistency in terms of understanding what do we want for Birmingham as a smart city do we have that clarity of the economic objectives the social objectives the community objectives objectives, objectives and then the clarity is about then asking for what we want so in our procurements in our planning frameworks in in everything that happens in the city do we consistently and clearly emphasize those outcomes so I think the um, cities and places I've seen across Europe that have had the most progress they haven't had it through single big interventions they've done it through that consistency and clarity we've exploiting every new opportunity to move forward a little bit at a time and i think that's particularly important in a city such as birmingham if i think of transport for example i think we'd all like to see more trams more public transport more cycling more more walking some of those things are very hard to achieve though we we don't have um, the sort of single transport body with strong authority that london has for example to drive some of that multimodal thinking we've got a much more fragmented system that tfw and do the best job they can in steering and coordinating together but reality is they don't have as much control as a tfl does Um, and that's something where i think there's an opportunity for national government to help all cities and regions in the uk Um, and then there's the character of the physical infrastructure so we've got some lovely wide tree-lined highways in birmingham but those trees are right where you might want to put a cycle lane so if we have a choice do we have cycling or do we have trees and i think nobody would really want to have to make that choice so i think it can be very difficult to make some of these event interventions happen but the secret to it is that clarity and just trying to do a little bit at a time always with the same objectives in mind